The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me. I've had the privilege of speaking to over 140 guests on Psych Up Live, and today we're welcoming back a return guest. Dr. Deborah Sarani, who is an expert in depressive disorders and will be addressing the often overlooked and misunderstood suffering of postpartum depression experienced by one in five new mothers. Dr. Deborah Sarani is a go-to expert on psychological issues. Her interviews can be found on CNN, Newsday, The New York Times, The Chicago Tribune, Scientific American Mind as well as the affiliate radio programs of CBS and NPR. Dr. Sarani writes for Psychology Today and is an adjunct professor at Adelphi University. She is the author of the award-winning books Living with Depression, Depression and Your Child, and Depression in Later Life. Dr. Debbie Sarani, it is once again a privilege to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thanks so much, Sue, for inviting me back. Okay. Now, I know you really know this topic, and so many people need to hear about it. Deb, let's start out by defining postpartum depression. What is it? Well, uh, most people don't understand that postpartum depression is a a subset of a depressive disorder. Um, Most people think that baby blues is postpartum depression, but baby blues is a transient... uh, 10-day to 14-day experience after having a baby. And postpartum depression is something far more serious where a new mother will experience severe crying, fatigue, um, definite um, difficulties with concentration. And all of these things are a concern because not only is it affecting her as a new mother, but she has a little one to take care of. So it raises the stakes all the more for us to identify and treat this disorder. Mm. So what would be the type of symptoms that the new mother, or even maybe it's probably at times, correct me, it's difficult to almost observe yourself. You're exhausted, you're trying your best, or you know you're struggling. What are the type of things that might cue you in that maybe this is more than baby blues? Well, the episodes will come rather quickly. Uh, For most new mothers, um, a state of sadness or irritability, anxiety, and confusion will suddenly kind of take hold and almost make a person feel very fragile and weepy. And just as readily as they come, they do disappear. 
So that's what make this, makes this a little bit tricky for new moms and even fathers or family members, even mm-hmm. professionals to see. That's why it's so important for us to really educate new moms and dads and even medical professionals to look for these fleeting signs, to ch- take track of how often it's happening, because as with any diagnosis, time is a mitigating factor. Baby blues are the first few days up to 10 to 12 days, but then after that, if you're experiencing irritability, confusion, sleeping, and and appetite difficulties, even difficulties connecting with your baby, um, you may be experiencing this very serious but treatable condition. Now, Deb, it's so difficult, or there's so much misunderstanding, and so often it's overlooked. I mean, in your presentations, you've said 7 in 10 new moms hide the symptoms. 43% don't even mention them to their doctors. Only 50% of women even get treatment for this. Why do you think that's the case? Well, you know, it's it's a funny thing. This is supposed to be our bundle of joy. <laughs> it's supposed to be an exciting time. And uh, there are many professionals that believe the experience of childbirth should be one of the most traumatic experiences on the stressors list for a woman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is supposed to be a, a moment of, you know, wanting this child, hoping to hold this child. And when it's not there, when the mother is experiencing these feelings of insecurity or these surges of hormonal changes that lead to irritability or sadness or even depression, and sometimes even thoughts of hurting themselves or even the baby, one says, there must be something wrong with me. Instead of reaching out for help, the the new mother is less likely to feel confident in doing that. There's a sense of shame that I'm failing, that somehow I'm not a good mother. But the more we educate, the more we can help women see that it has nothing to do with one's competency of, of being a mother, that there's actually a medical condition that's interrupting this new motherhood and this new bonding with the baby. So that's why so many people, so many women don't talk about it. And um, 7 out of 10 downplay it. But it's also, there's another piece to this that those that do want to talk about it have difficulty expressing it to, let's say, their OB at their first check-in after that. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to bring the conversation uh, to to a productive level where they can say, I'm, I'm really struggling because those feelings of shame are so overwhelming. Mm. And if we add to those feelings from what I've heard in my office, very often as the young mom or whatever age the mom is struggling, um, not able to sleep, all of a sudden having an aversion to the breastfeeding or feeling so bad that the the, the breast milk isn't coming through. Right, it's not letting we, down. Right, we have the audience of family. We have the mm-hmm. mother or mother-in-law stepping in. Listen, yes. you don't understand this or speaking about the young mother. Uh, she's not that good at this. I don't even know if she wanted the baby. That is mm. everybody's anxiety and everybody's judgment is part of the mix of, I think, as you're suggesting, new moms often hiding the way they're struggling. 
I think that's an excellent point. You know, when we talk about depression for an individual person, it can be a, a, an experience that's very solitary. But when we build into the fact that now we have a dyad, we have a mother and a baby here, it becomes all the more worrisome, you know, the, that I can't take care of myself and I can't take care of my baby. And also, you're right, with, with the public kind of element to this, we also have professionals saying it's so important to breastfeed, and we have La Leche League saying, well, I'll come in and we'll help you laugh, right. and there's so much pressure that right. young mothers have. And I, and I know we'll talk about this a little bit later in the show, but there are certain decisions that a woman has to make when postpartum depression is affecting their lives, and it's going to be perhaps not the kind of things that the mother-in-law will like or even the physician will like. It's about what the mother needs to take care of herself so she can then take care of her baby. Right. Now, not to confuse our listeners, but I think it's important because it may add to the confusion. When you write about this, Debbie, you talk about the fact that postpartum really is a broad umbrella. Underneath, there are six disorders, and maybe that is something people should hear about because it'll change the symptoms a bit. Yeah. um, You know, I I actually myself did not know this until I started researching further. Um, There's there's, uh, six postpartum disorders that are defined, and a great way to understand them is to become familiar with their names because the most one that we hear about is postpartum depression. Um, that's the one that gets the most airplay we see in magazines. We have people talking about it, Bryce Dallas Howard, and um, I can't remember some of the other stars that talk about how they got very depressed after having their baby. But there's also postpartum anxiety. Mm-hmm. There's also postpartum bipolar disorder, postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder, postpartum post-traumatic stress disorder, and another postpartum that does get uh, just as much uh, notice as postpartum depression, and that's postpartum psychosis. So it is a very overwhelming experience to try and understand what you're experiencing. In fact, sometimes things uh, there are organizations that call themselves the Postpartum <laughs> Depression and Anxiety Society. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the way we need to really educate others is that if you're experiencing an onset of depression or anxiety or bipolar disorder or any of the other symptoms, it's because most likely you have had this before and it's just another onset the onset being the birth of a child. So when we talk about recurrence or we talk about an episode, the stressor is having the baby. Right. And then if you're, if you're prone to anxiety or prone to bipolar disorder, you would then experience this as a postpartum bipolar disorder. So it mm. is very, very, very confusing. You could see why it makes so much sense to have screening tools and to describe whatever you're feeling to the medical professional you're working with and even possibly any mental health professional that you might have prior been working with or may feel you need at this time. So, Debbie, you're saying that if we were to look at causes of postpartum depression and or the other disorders, 
what are some of the causes? One you said is a pre-existing condition of some sort. What are some of the That's, other things that might cause well, it? There, there are there are several factors that need to be evaluated. One of the one of the ones that really affects mothers during pregnancy and after delivery are the hormonal components. So we know that there's dramatic shifts in hormones um, after birth, and a lot of this neurobiology really causes an onset of these symptoms. So it's important for medical professionals and mothers who are pregnant to always have, you know, certain blood tests and, and certain issues watched so they can be screened to know if indeed they're kind of heading towards these horm- hormonal dips. And that's a way to, to protect yourself before mm. postpartum hits. Another issue are medical complications. Um, you can have any type of... Uh, gestational diabetes or fetal distress, any type of um, um, preeclampsia, vitamin D deficiencies, any medical condition that you have during a pregnancy or as a result of pregnancy raises the risk 80% that you will most likely experience a postpartum depression, anxiety, uh, or mental health issue. So it's, that's why it's so vital to know about your own medical health conditions right. and to kind of really be um, proactive with your doctor um, about it. Um, then we talk about psychological stressors, um, you know, if there's been a divorce or a death in the family, um, if, there's, if there's been any illnesses, histories of addiction. So we want to look at your, your life experience as well to see if it raises the risk for you to have um, a likelihood of, of the onset of this. And then there are things like having, you know, the baby in the ICU or, or if you have financial issues. You know, there's quite, quite a lot of factors here that play into whether or not you're at risk. But the greatest one is if you've had a prior experience with a mental health issue. Hmm. Um, se- several researchers, in fact, suggest that if we're diagnosing women postpartum, we've diagnosed them too late, that we should be diagnosing women during pregnancy. We should be more watchful and screen and catch these issues before they become very worrisome thereafter. Mm, I like, given how really serious it is, and it is no one's fault, no one chooses it, I like the fact that you're giving the medical piece, the psychological piece, because as you say in your writing, Debbie, this is really a complication of childbirth. It's nothing you chose, and it's nothing you can't get past, but in terms of understanding how a pregnancy, as magical as it is, turns most women's bodies and hormones and everything upside down, and any pre-existing condition upside down, it starts to make sense. It also makes sense in terms of stressful events. We know most, let's say most women would feel very bad about the death of their own mother when that cold exists with the birth of their baby, that's a very difficult time. You can understand almost that there would be some depression involved with that. In one case, and we have so many multiples, 
it was the multiple birth that the person was so excited about that actually became somewhat overwhelming because mm. she get, began to feel, as I'm picking up one baby, I'm feeling guilty I'm not picking up the other baby. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, these are not easy situations. So understanding them without self-contempt or blame is a really important piece to it. It it really is. Um, I, I'm working with a woman who um, have, had difficulty uh, becoming pregnant, finally was able to have a baby, and during that time her brother died, and um, she decided to name the baby after him. And um, she wasn't prepared for how hard that was, and that was a significant stressor just every time she calls the baby by his name, that um, she really wasn't ready for. So you never really know, as, as, as you say, you know, there are certain things you can kind of prepare for, but then there are other things that just take you by surprise, and you're in a vulnerable position, you're in a vulnerable place. Um, there's a study that says that rapid weight loss uh, raises the risk of certain hormonal and adrenal mm. issues that kickstart uh, mania and depression. Um, you know, they're finding more and more neurobiological reasons. And when we, and we, when we couple that with our own life narrative, you can see how it's a perfect storm mm. to kind of create this really fragile state for new mothers. I'm going to stop us here. We're going to need to take a break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we're here with Dr. Deborah Serrani, expert in depressive disorders, talking about postpartum depression. We've been talking about causes. We've been talking about symptoms. And I want you to know we're going to be coming back to talk about treatment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. There are many people who claim to be dog experts, yet they don't really provide a connection between dog owners and their best friend. This is where the BS stops. Listen for Taming the Wild in Your Dog with expert, author, and nationally recognized dog trainer Brian Bailey. Each show has experts, professional trainers, and veterinarians to give you the right answers. Listen for the safety and well-being of your dog. Listen every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Join Chris Epting every week for the moment. Chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet, including authors, artists, and athletes. And that's just the A-list. These celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn, changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be. Listen for The Moment with Chris Epting, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Deborah Serrani, an expert in depressive disorders, and we're speaking about diagnosis and treatment of postpartum depression. Now, Deb, you yourself suffered, as you've written, with postpartum depression. If you were not a psychologist and an expert in depressive disorders, would you have known? I totally would not have known. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't think I would have been able to really pick up because there was so many things going on. My body was healing. Um, we moved into a new apartment. Uh, the baby was sick. Uh, you know, so many things were going on that I don't think I would have had the ability to to really try and itemize and 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 look at just all of these issues pressing on me. And I think I know actually that because of what I knew and how I was trained that I was in trouble. And I was very happy um, to, to get a confirmation of the diagnosis because everybody always likes to know what you're struggling with mm-hmm. is a real thing. But I don't think I would have known. Certainly my mm. husband didn't know. I had to, I had to remind him, um, you know, I don't think this, I don't think I'm, this isn't good. <laughs> I would tell so, him. So let you know, me I don't think you. I'm Okay. <laughs> let me, and your daughter's adorable, um, let me ask you if the, the screening, one of the many screening techniques that you mentioned in, in one of your presentations would have alerted you. You ask, is motherhood easier or harder than you expected? Are you sleeping at night? Is breastfeeding going well or is it time to reconsider? Do you find it hard to make decisions? How is your spouse or partner coping with the baby? How often are you getting to be alone to heal and relax? Would- I, th- I, I think that would have certainly pointed me in a direction faster. And, and, and all of the um, screenings that are out there online and available do help, I think, a tremendous amount of women say to themselves, okay, th- this isn't just you know, what every mother goes through. I really am struggling with something pretty significant. Um, and and the only one that was around at the time that I knew of was the Edinburgh Post-Depression uh, Scale. Uh, but there are so many now and so many mm-hmm. that are uh, accessible. And um, I, I think that it's a, a, a great tool to help women and maybe even fathers who can also get postpartum depression uh, understand a little bit about what's going on and maybe even take an online test or print out one and use it as a stepping stone to talk to their spouse or medical professional to say, I don't know, this this isn't what I expected. (laughs) I thought it would be a little Mm -hmm. easier. Now, Deb, you said the father's postpartum depression, so I'm figuring our listeners are thinking, what? So maybe help us just add add, um, some information about that. 
Well, uh, research tells us that one in ten fathers can actually suffer from postpartum depression. You do not have to, remember, you do not have to actually be giving birth to have an onset of depression or anxiety or bipolar Mm. disorder. It's a a stressor that sets into motion a, a precondition that you may have. And it's what's another interesting thing is that um, fathers, the suicide rate for fathers kind of increases at the same age that most fathers are becoming dads. The mm-hmm. highest range for men are ages 30 to 44. Mm-hmm. Um, th- so, you know, you don't have to necessarily witness a difficult birth or fathers don't necessarily have to, um, you know, have had some type of trauma during the birth, but they can see their spouse struggling and the, and the stress itself of becoming a new dad can also press on them. And interestingly, adoptive mothers, same-sex partners who have not given birth all can get a postpartum experience of depression, anxiety, OCD. So this is something that often gets, you know, thrown to the wayside thinking that, you know, just just the baby in the bathwater kind of thing that is just mothers that can get depressed. But that's not the case. I have a visceral example in that when I was in labor, my husband's back went out. He goes into spasms with his back going out, and all the medical people run to him. So <laughs> the, the reality is that, you know, even just that little kind of mini example tells us we hardly account for what the partner, as you say, same-sex partner, whatever, or whoever that person is, is also experiencing in terms of this being a major stressor. Right, now, right. And when we... And when we talk about adoptive mothers or people who are, mm. um, you know, a, a, an adoptive mother and an adoptive father, we, we tend to forget that this is a stressful event for them, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Now, the question then becomes, how treatable is postpartum depression, Debbie? Well, um, I actually, in my experience, I don't know about you, Suzanne, but um, I would say that uh, postpartum de- uh, depression is extremely treatable. And um, there's something about new mothers and w- once the diagnosis happens and they want to feel better because they want to bond with their baby, I've seen this experience and the trajectory of healing occur more swiftly than, than in some of my patients who struggle with depression and on their own, and not as a new mother or not as a new father. Hmm. So, you know, postpartum depression is a serious but highly treatable condition. Okay. Now, Debbie, in, in your work, you really talk about quite a few different options for treatment. Let's start out by talking about medication. How does a mother consider medication when she has a newborn if she's nursing? Well, these are some of the unpopular things <laughs> that, uh, you know, therapists like you and I face when we work with, with women. Um, my, my main concern is the health of the mother. And um, I was working with a woman who had extreme rumination and worry and depression and to the point where we were quite concerned that um, she would be moving in, into a state where we might need to hospitalize her. 
Mm-hmm. So she's breastfeeding, and the husband says, I don't want the not to be breastfed. And you kind of have to do a differential diagnosis and, and kind of triage the situation. We have a baby. We have a mother. They're at risk. Yes. What it, mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we take care of everybody? Well, just like when you're on the airplane and they tell you to put the oxygen mask on you first mm-hmm. so then you can help everyone else, the decision about needing medication is something that has to be immediately spoken about. Mm-hmm. And the idea of breastfeeding and certain medications pa- passing through the bloodstream are definite issues. But there are many babies who've been bottle-fed, I think I was one. (laughs) And, you know, there's ways to comfort and bond with your baby. And, you know, antidepressant medication, anti-anxiety medication, and if you're someone who's going through an extreme case of postpartum psychosis, there is no choice but to make sure that you're on antipsychotic medication. And that's when everybody has to start to agree that the mother's health comes first. We're not going to worry about La Leche League. We're not going to worry about breastfeeding. We're not going to worry about anything else. We just want this mother healing so she can connect and everybody can move forward. So it is a really tough thing. And I will say that uh, nine out of ten of the women that I've worked with over the years, uh, I can just remember a handful that really did not want to take medication. And they did it, but the, the recovery was slow and tricky and, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I would have now, in my wisdom, allowed that to happen when I was younger. Well, but when you think about what we have read and taught our students in terms of the early bond with the mother and the baby is about attunement, physical mm-hmm. touch, eye to eye. That need not happen because. Of uh, that doesn't happen only if you're breastfeeding. I also wasn't breastfed. Half the, half the country wasn't breastfed. The right, question right. is, though, yeah. if I become more of myself to enjoy and smile at this baby because of medication, the bond is so much better than if I am miserable and suffering and breastfeeding. Correct. I mean, to, it just to me, there's to me, there's no question. And, um, you know, the, he- the health and safety of the mother, and, and I'm sure you've worked cases like this too, there are some mothers that have this frightening thought of, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt the baby. I won't, but I have this fleeting thought that I, you know, I want to hurt the baby, or I'm going to not pick up the baby, or I don't want to pick it up. I feel like I'm going to shake the baby. And it, it becomes such a shameful experience yes. for this new mother, or, or not even necessarily a new mother. This could be a mother who's had pregnancies before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to me, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about we've got to get you safe, and we have to call the cavalry in. We have to tell the pediatrician what we need to do for the baby. We need to talk to the obstetrician. <laughs> we need to get right. everybody on board. And I'd say... Most people who have done this would say they would do it again and that the decision to go on medication was life-saving for them. Yes. Now, I know you also speak about in all of your books, not only therapy, individual, group, and holistic approaches. Maybe we could speak a little bit about those. Well, you know, when I was researching my book to write, I found a lot of studies that talked about sleep being... The, the significant factor that causes mania, 
psychosis and severe depression. And it's not the lack of sleep. It's the lack of sleep at night. Okay. Now, I don't know if you I don't know if you saw the movie Tully with Charlize Theron. Yes. yes. The, the, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was a, a really wonderful movie about this particular subject. But the idea here is that um, um, mothers need to sleep at night. The circadian rhythm is is broken and altered when mothers are up all day and all night. So these holistic measures, like there are three things that that, um, I often tell my patients, they all begin with S, I need you to sleep at night, I need you to find a pool of sunlight during the day to help your melatonin correct your circadian rhythm and get your vitamin D, and then... This research, and I know it's funny, but it says that singing, depressed mothers who sing lullabies or sing to the radio had a faster recovery rate from their postpartum depression than mothers who didn't. Well, Debbie, so once a lo- you're singing, you are naturally doing deep breathing, meditative-type deep breathing. I tell people to sing in their cars all the time when they're nervous, <laughs> just to hang on the wheel on the wheel while they do this. Right. But it makes perfect right. sense to me. Singing automatically puts you into a better breathing pattern. And, you know, if you're singing a lullaby, somehow the softness of the sounds and the yes. music might calm your own self. So, you know, these, there are a lot of holistic measures that when I, whenever I do research, I like to give others the idea that, you know, medication and traditional methods work. Talk therapy is the bomb. It's great. It, it really helps. But there's other things like exercise and music. Um, meditating, if you have the ability, light a candle or, or you know, open the fresh air and get and at the window and get some fresh air. Research shows that these particular complementary therapies, as they're called, can actually help new, mo- new moms, new dads, anybody really who's struggling with depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. They're there, they're accessible, and there's thousands of years of research that show that it works. Mm. Now, here's a good example for the partner to know that there's got to be some sort of arrangement where who's getting up for the baby so that the mom can sleep, or we've got to bring on somebody else, another family member, but we've got to preserve the sleep. And it's when partners understand the rationale behind situations, Mm. and now we have people who can take paternity leave, and if not, some other arrangement can be made. But that sleep, it's just what I also have found in my work. When there's sleep problems, everything else goes up. Anxiety, depression, medical problems, etc. So it's such an important piece. And there's another piece, if I don't know, I don't know if we're running out of time. Um, uh, there's, There's the accessing of the Family Medical Leave Act. And in several cases, I've actually um, placed people on short-term disability when when their maternity leaves ran out or their FMLA ran out because they needed the extra time to sleep and recover. That's and, great. You know, that's something that a lot of people are not aware of. 
Um, and there's this big push in New York State and actually across the country for postpartum awareness, uh, not just for mothers and for fathers. So there's ways to, to ensure that you can get the recovery and rest you need because that is a very vital piece to, to getting over this, this treatable but serious issue. Mm-hmm. So if a person um, was finding that they couldn't sleep, and or they had to go back to work. Um, what are the kinds of things that you would, that a spouse would say to this person with the new baby? That, is, uh, that what we would want a spouse to say to this person? Yes. Uh, well, we would. I would hope that a spouse would say to this person, "Okay, I'm I'm going to see what I can do to um, get the support we need here and make it a we issue, not a you know a you issue or a her issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that it that it's so. I, whenever I work with someone who's struggling with a postpartum issue, I I work with the spouse. The spouse comes in. Sometimes I've had the grandmother come in who's who's you know living in the apartment downstairs. <laughs> yes. Um, because really what we need is, is we need um, the support for the family. And if the mother is going back to work and the father can take FMLA and the father can go on short-term disability or the father can say, let's hire a night nurse or the father can say, let's, let's get somebody in here. That's what we need. We need, the partner needs to know that the support is very necessary, not just for the health of the mother, but for the health of the child. Because, again, we're circling back to the importance of bonding and attachment. And untreated postpartum depression or any of the postpartum disorders uh, raises the risk for child um, difficulties, learning difficulties, emotional difficulties later in life. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is an important piece for everybody to be on board about. Well, I'm loving that you're giving our listeners information about the uh, Family Act and paternity leaves because very often we have dual working couples. Mm-hmm. And just knowing how to work as a team without blame or a recrimination, as soon as we start blaming each other for not getting sleep or mm-hmm. uh, possibly losing a job, we've created you know, the situation that could escalate into a postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression. So the more teaming, and I'm delighted to hear that you bring in the uh, the husband, the grandmother, could make a big difference. We're going we're gonna to have to take a break, but when we come back, let's talk about how we can help partners support um, the new mother, how we can have new mothers or pregnant mothers at the moment ask for certain types of screening tests. So you've been listening to Psych Up Live. Our expert is Dr. Debbie Serrani. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, 
we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. Today we're speaking about identifying postpartum depression and treating postpartum depression. And we're talking about both parents, if there are two parents being involved in this. Our expert is Dr. Debbie Serrani, expert in depressive disorders, who has herself suffered with postpartum depression, so she knows very well the feeling as well as the fact that it can be treated. So, Debbie, let's talk about what new parents should say to the professionals, because sometimes people will say, oh, you've got to see a doctor, or you've got to tell your um, primary care or your OBGYN, but it's hard to know how to even ask for screening or what to say. Yeah, I think we have about four minutes before the doctor's attention is left the room, <laughs> okay. so right. we don't have a lot of time. I, I, I'm actually doing a grand rounds at a local hospital with Uh, the whole obstetrics department, and one of the issues is they feel they don't have enough time. So one of the things that we spoke about was just one question being asked and answered. And I tell my patients the same question, which is, doctor, I'm feeling very overwhelmed. And that can lead to a discussion of what is it that you're overwhelmed with, because each woman's experience of a postpartum depression or anxiety is going to be very unique. And this can instead, you know, a lot of doctors have screenings, you know, you're filling it out as you're in the waiting room, that doctor's not looking at Right, you know, right, they're, not, they're not reading that. Um, okay. You know, let's let's look at each other and let's talk to each other. I'm overwhelmed. I need to let you know that this is not what I expected. I need you to know that I'm struggling using I words. I often say this 
you know, for, for the doctors that the minute they hear that, that that's the time for them to just find out what's going on and hopefully they have resources of therapists in the area. Um, often they have midwives, uh, doulas available. Um, many of the hospital settings have uh, support staff and groups that can kind of come in and registered nurses to come in and talk further with the patient. So just by merely saying, I'm overwhelmed, is the, is the, is the white flag coming up, but not in a way where you're saying I'm failing. You're just really stating the fact, which is there's a lot going on here. Mm. Now, correct me on this, but I think there's also room, and I would encourage a new mother to say, my spouse is completely overwhelmed, he's completely mm-hmm. anxious, and he's completely angry, which is making this whole situation a nightmare for me. Right. When Okay, so a physician hearing that, that's another white flag. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I do know from some of the doctors that I've worked with that those kinds of responses make them very anxious. They yes. don't know what to do with the spouse or the partner. They're, they, they're better with, well, you're my patient, let me, let me look and see what's going on here with you. And that is why sometimes I think it is hard for women to share in addition to me feeling overwhelmed, my partner is too. This is hard for all of us, and, you know, I'm worried. Um, it, it, it is very hard when you're, I, I remember even with myself, that, I, you know, I would tell my husband, I'd say, I, I, I'm really having a hard time with this. And I tried not to blame him. I tried not to say, and you're not doing this, and you could do more of that. And I'm sure I wasn't always successful, but it does become a very delicate issue when you're trying to talk to your spouse about how how hard it is for you. So I, I think I would like to invite new parents, expected parents, um, you know, to, tr- to try and just carve out a little time in between pillow talk, passing the baby, a little check-in, how you doing? You doing okay? How are you doing? You doing okay? You know, right. uh, uh, almost like you know, uh, you know, we're 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 di- different teams. You're the defense line. I'm the offense line. We're never on the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. But to, to check to check in without judgment is an art form. But it can be done, especially if you take the time and care to kind of say, "I'm really I'm worried or I'm having a hard time." Because mm-hmm. anger I anger gets more anger. So if we can be less accusatory, we we tend to get a little further in our discussions. At least that's what I've discovered. So we find that very often, and what you said is really true, and at the extreme, most women won't even report domestic violence to their primary doctor. So if they're not comfortable doing this, this is the time to maybe seek um, a couple therapist or a group of right. new parents so that in some way you first of all realize you're not the only team going up mountain, not eating and barely sleeping. Um, and the other thing is to get permission by just observing up with other couples. Some people, when you say baby nurse, they feel like, oh, no. That would be unacceptable. But actually, mm-hmm. if everybody was healthy as a result of it, it may not be the worst thing. Some people right. dread the thought of a mother or mother-in-law spending some time at the beginning. But in the end, 
it doesn't dismantle you as the parents. It just gives you the sleep to be a better parent during the day. So sometimes right. these are rigid rules, which once discussed in front of a third party, or even when you can do it, it's wonderful. A group of couples, it's extraordinary how startled they are that other people are facing the same issues. That's right. And I know with the local postpartum group, it's just a post, it, it, it's just called the postpartum group, not postpartum depression. These are mm-hmm. new, the new mom group and some of the new moms can go and they can hear, you know, who's struggling with this or who's struggling with that. And much of the discussions often do include this one staying with me, my mother-in-law staying with me, my mother staying with me and mm-hmm. how that all plays out. Um, and it, it, it really does take a village particularly when you're struggling with postpartum depression or really any mental health issue, you really can't heal in isolation. You have to heal with your village, with your community, with your family. Uh, and and it, it is still, I guess, uh, very, very hard. There's a stigma still attached to the shame of, I must be doing something wrong because I can't do anything right. It should right. be easy, but it's not. I remember my own mother-in-law grabbing the baby from me a couple of days in, in, into uh, her life and, um, you know, just walking out the apartment door. And, I, and the way the door slammed really hit, hit me, like that, that was her disapproval. And mm. it took me a while to, to say she just, doesn't, she just doesn't understand. And, um, you know, it, it, I was grateful that she was there, but it didn't always make the situation easier because it, she wasn't happy to be there. Why do I need to be there? So, you know, it's an interesting thing how all of these narratives play out. Um, but, you know, to talk about it and address it, and now we laugh about it, now we talk about it, and she says, yeah, I just didn't get what the big deal was. It was a big deal. It is. Uh, if I'm a, a, a mother who had postpartum with my first child and I want a second child, is there something I need to think about or do you know, in the way of prevention, Debbie? Yes. In fact, um, if you've had postpartum, you, you will have a very high risk of having it again. There are some women who um, uh, are deciding to continue taking their medications through their next pregnancy. There are some who say, I'm not going to take medication during my pregnancy, but I have my prescription ready that if I ever need it, I will take it. There are certain medications that don't pass through the placenta. Um, you know, there are things to think about holistically if, if you're concerned about, you know, I've had postpartum, am I going to go through this again? Um, you know, I always think that a bad experience is one of my greatest teachers because I don't want to go through it again. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I rally all of the things that I can do to support myself. So a mother who's had postpartum has to be proactive and talk about her pregnancy plan, her post-pregnancy plan, and all of the what-ifs and all of the backup plans from A to Z, what you're going to do if you need not to breastfeed or if you do want to breastfeed or do you need a nurse. So, you know, experience is a great teacher. But yes, if you've had postpartum, 70%, you're likely to have it again. Now, let me ask a related question because I have had patients who've struggled with depression and done very well on medication. I think of one case, she stayed on that medication 
just as you're suggesting, right through the pregnancy, mm. baby was adorable, but certain medications are better than others. But if I'm someone who's had an experience of depression of some type um, and I'm planning to become pregnant, that's an issue I should take up with both my psychiatrist and my OBGYN. That's right. That's right. And it would be nice if, if it could be arranged to have a, some collaborative care or even a, a conference call to talk about that. So the OB is understanding, um, you know, the, the risk factors or the lack thereof um, with certain medications because, again, a lot of OBs are not familiar with a lot of the medications that treat anxiety and depression. Um, and, you know, as much as, uh, you know, we, we have great trust in our doctors, sometimes we end up being the advocate that has the, the latest research and we're telling the right. psychiatrist and we're telling the, you know, ROB, well, this one won't pass through the placenta, but I would like it at a lower dose. And if I need to go higher, I'll go higher, but let's right. put me on the lower dose and let's see how I do. Um, right. But yeah. Becoming your yes. own expert. All- yeah. Becoming your own expert, really an important thing. So, Debbie, you have so much um, out there, both in your books and in the material on your website. Let me ask you before we do a take-home message. So how would people with questions, both professionals and our um, moms, dads out there, um, how would they find you and contact you? Well, you can come right to my website, drdebrasarani.com, and there um, you can send me an email or you can call me, and I'd be happy to offer you a referral or talk to you about a particular issue. Uh, I'm, I'm all about helping people. I feel like a, a traffic uh, cop. And, you know, let me help you find what you need and, and get you along you know, so, so the road becomes one where you can find your own happiness and meaningful life. So I'm happy to help, and all you have to do is just reach out at my website. And uh, Debbie's books are as enjoyable as she is to listen to. They're, oh, they're, Suzanne. They're, you're going to feel like <laughs> Debbie is speaking to you, so they're very, very valuable. So now if we really wanted to give a take-home message about postpartum depression, too often overlooked and misunderstood, what would you share with our listeners, Deb? I would want... Um listeners, new moms and dads to be or mothers who are expecting again to understand that this is a highly treatable and sometimes serious disorder and there's more information out there that can help you feel confident and secure and to know what direction to go and should this experience be something that you're faced with. Okay. Debbie, I want to thank you for being a valuable guest on Psych Up Live. You've come. You've done many shows. They're all incredibly important to our listeners. But today, you really helped us by expanding the understanding of postpartum depression in a way that I'm sure will help many moms and dads out there. Thanks so much for returning to Psych Up Live, Debbie. Thanks for having me, Sue. You're welcome. Remember, you can hear this in any prior show as a podcast. By 6 p.m. tonight, this show will be a podcast. And you can hear any of these shows on my host site, my website, on the podcast app of your iPhone, on iTunes, under Voice America, Psych Up Live. 
Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. I want to thank my listeners, and until next week, please take care, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.